0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: At this point is where I decided I feel awful. I need to go outside. I need to get some fresh air. And whilst I was outside, my right hand side started to shake uncontrollably. And at that point, that's when I had to go inside and tell someone I feel awful, I need to go to hospital. Whilst he was sort of taking me to the car to get me to hospital, that's where it really hit home that something was going seriously wrong because my right hand side collapsed completely. I couldn't move any of it. So I was essentially being carried to the car by him. Whilst I was in hospital, I was doing quite intense physiotherapy because they wanted me to be at a good enough stage to be able to go home and get around the house and be fairly independent. Although I was still at home with my parents and they could step in because of my age, they thought it would be good for me to have some independence in the house and not be entirely reliant on my parents. I'm still me, I'm still, I've am still. i grown as a person and it's taught me a lot about myself It made myself I'm a lot more self-aware and I know what I can achieve and I know to a degree where my limitations are so I need to sometimes take a step back and think right you need to approach this a bit slower you need to realize you might not be able to do this as well as you used to but you need to learn coping mechanisms to
0: be able to tackle what you want to do hello this is stroke stories and i'm mark Goodyear. in young people fast can be used to identify a potential stroke however there are some specific symptoms that can present in children and teenagers. These include severe headaches, dizziness and vomiting, sleepiness and loss of balance or coordination. Stroke survivors of any age often find it difficult to find resources that they need to help them while they recover. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from Ollie Lilburn, who suffered a stroke at the age of 18.
1: Before my stroke, I was like any other teenager. I had just finished my A-levels and I was off having sort of the summer of a lifetime with a number of my friends. We'd been away on holiday together. I came back from there and I went off to Uganda for five weeks. So whilst I was in Uganda, I was doing charity work helping to build a storehouse for a local farming community. And that was a great experience for me. It opened my eyes to the world that I'd never seen before and taught me a lot about myself and how fortunate I was. Shortly after receiving my A-levels, once I'd returned from Uganda, that's when I suffered my stroke. So I, I'd been out the night before with a number of friends, sort of celebrating the fact that we were going off to university, not knowing what was around the corner so the morning of my stroke I woke up and I sort of felt a bit rough and I just thought I was a hangover I'll just brush it off I've had many of these before so I'll be fine and the day progressed and I continued to feel worse and at this stage A number of us had returned to the school that we did our project through, which was the school we went to, and we're all talking about our experiences of being away on our projects and just sharing our experiences and how amazing they were. At this point is where I decided I feel awful. I need to go outside. I need to get some fresh air. And whilst I was outside... My right hand side started to shake uncontrollably. And th- at that point, that's when I had to go inside and tell someone I feel awful, I need to go to hospital. And I was very fortunate in the fact that my old head of sick, Mr. Davey, was there. He acted very quickly and took me to the hospital where they were able to sort of start treating me for my stroke. So, I am very fortunate that I had someone there that could act fast, and that's sort of the key thing when suffering a stroke, as everybody knows, you need to act fast, get the initiative and try and get help as soon as possible, so I owe my life essentially to the man for saving my life. He didn't know I was suffering a stroke, but he knew something was up, he... He thought something isn't quite right here. He could see that I was shaking uncontrollably. And whilst he was sort of taking me to the car to get me to hospital, that's where it really hit home that something was going seriously wrong because my right hand side collapsed completely. I couldn't move any of it. So I was essentially being carried to the car by him and dr- driven very quickly to get me there. I believe I woke up about 24 hours after suffering my stroke. By that point, they transferred me to a specialist hospital. And I believe I was in hospital for around six weeks. It's not a great time, so I'd probably try and put it behind me. Being in the hospital is never fun. While in hospital, doctors were able to quickly identify what had caused Ollie's stroke. They believed was due to a small aneurysm or a tumour that was growing on my brain. So this was something maybe I was born with that was always there. And it was sort of a ticking time bomb, ready to go at any time. Because the bleed was so deep within my brain, they were unable to operate. So that was sort of the scary thing about it, that they said if it stops, it stops, if it doesn't, it doesn't, and there's nothing we can do about it. So essentially it was a flip of a coin if I was even going to make it through and survive or not. So that is something that I'm very thankful for and consider myself very lucky for, because it did stop. And there is a part of me that is very happy about that it was so deep, because because they weren't able to operate, it doesn't mean that you're left with long-term scarring and side effects on the skull, because obviously they have to cut the skull away and replace bits, so that's something that I'm, I consider myself fortunate for in a way, because it doesn't leave me with those long-term side effects, and being quite a vain person as well, it's that's something that I can consider myself fortunate for. Whilst I was in hospital I was doing quite intense physiotherapy because they wanted me to be at a good enough stage to be able to go home and get around the house and be fairly independent. Although I was still at home with my parents and they could step in, because of my age they thought it would be good for me to have some independence in the house and not be entirely reliant on my parents. And whilst they're in hospital, it does give them a good opportunity to be able to really see what's going on all the time with your recovery. So I was very fortunate that they were very focused on getting me a good save before I left hospital. And being an 18 year old and being young, I didn't want to be stuck in my hospital bed all day. I was a bit of a pain in the arse with them. I was always saying, can I get out of bed? I want to get around. I want to walk. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they said, no, you know what you've been through. You need to rest. You need to recover. But I was quite defiant and I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I was always nagging them to get me out of bed and really help me and get me to the stage where I wanted to be. I was very excited about going home, I couldn't stand being in hospital. And because I was on a stroke unit, I wasn't surrounded by people my age. Most of the people on that unit were over three times my age at that point. I was 18, your average person on that wall was in their 70s. So, although I had friends and family constantly coming to see me whilst I was in hospital, visiting me, checking in, just spending time with me all the time. There were times outside of those visiting hours where it is lonely and it is quite isolating because you're not surrounded by people your own age. You're not surrounded by people that have things in common with you or your family. So I was very sort of bored. And I found myself even watching Gilmore Girls because I had nothing else to do. So it, was, it wasn't a great time, but, you know, the people there were great and they really helped me get better and get me to the stage where I'm at now. So although it was, it was a pretty boring time, it was probably good for me long term to be there for the length of time I was. Ollie was also able to access outpatient physiotherapy when he returned home. Unfortunately, this isn't available over the NHS. So my parents, I was very fortunate, were able to pay for me to have physiotherapy after my stroke. And I I really do appreciate that not everyone has this and not everyone can do this. But I'm so thankful and I owe them a lot for investing that in me. Because at the age I was, at 18... I wasn't ready to sort of lie down and and take it and have the minimal physio they can offer you. Cause I do appreciate that there are so many people that are having strokes and the NHS budget can only stretch so far. So I had lots of physiotherapy and they were fantastic. They were coming around my house sort of three or four times a week and spending a lot of time with me, really focusing on my recovery and also trying to make it a bit interesting for me. So I had one guy, he was a bit of a younger guy, and he used to play FIFA with me. So we used to sit and play FIFA together, which made it a bit more interesting for me. But I also think that was a bit for himself, because he, he wanted to have a bit of fun with it as well. So, you know, they were they were fantastic, and I owe them a lot, and I wouldn't be where I am now without that physiotherapy I had leaving hospital. I was having that physiotherapy for around two to three months after I left hospital and it was quite intense and it was very tiring but I thought I need to just put my all into this to get to where I want to be. And although some some mornings I would wake up and I would really think I'm exhausted today The last thing I want to do is this physiotherapy. But I thought, no, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And even if that means I'm sleeping for the rest of the day after this physiotherapy, I want
0: to give it my all then. And then long term, this is going to be beneficial. Although Ali had suffered a serious stroke, he remained positive throughout his
1: recovery. For myself, emotionally... I don't think it's really affected me too much. I don't think it's really changed me as a person that much. I think it's it hasn't changed me for the bad. I don't look at it and think, woe is me, I've had this. Why did it happen to me and not anyone else? Because that isn't the way you can look at life. If I looked at life like that, I'd be lying in my bed still crying, not doing anything with my life. So emotionally, I think it's affected me for the better, if anything. It's taught me what I can actually do and what I'm actually capable of. So if I can learn to walk again, talk again, do everything from scratch, I can do anything I set my mind to, essentially. So although I will say I do have the occasional down day and you have the occasional moment where you do feel a bit down and you do feel a bit upset, but that's human nature. Everyone has days like that. So I won't look at it and say, that's because of, just because of my stroke. I think sometimes I do let the, my stroke get the best of me occasionally. But then shortly after, I will just look at it and think, why am I being like this? Look at what you're doing with your life now. Look at what you've achieved. So I think I will never say that the stroke's beaten me and made me not be able to do anything. I think I've had times where people have said, are you sure you want to do that after your stroke? But I've not let it stop me, I've gone off and done it anyway. So it's sort of a year after my stroke, I went surfing with some friends down in Cornwall, the physiotherapists in the hospital were like, are you sure you want to be doing that? And I said, well, get hurt, I get hurt, but, It's all part of life. You know, I'm not going to let that stop me from doing something I want to do. And my first year at university, I went skiing against the wishes of doctors again. They said, are you sure you should be doing that? And because I'd skied before, I was like, well, I know how to ski, so it'll be fine. But it was hard, but I enjoyed it. I always say, well, I'm going to give it a go. If I can't do it, can't do it, but I've given it a go and
0: I've done what I've wanted to do. Although doctors weren't sure if Ollie would make it, he's come out the other side with the help of his family and his own positivity and determination to get better. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Ollie explains the importance of raising awareness of stroke. If someone was to say, oh, it's
1: because I've had a stroke, People don't automatically just say, "Oh no, you can't have had a stroke because you're young. And then you have that thing of where you're having to say, well, no, people do have strokes when they're younger. It is a growing thing. So I think it is important that people are aware of this. And how he doesn't feel he needs to look back on his stroke experience. I wake up in the morning, I go to work, After work, I'm either in the gym or out seeing people. So there's no real time for me to actually sit down and be bitter about it. And I have no reason to be bitter about my stroke. Let's hear how Ollie, against the odds, made it to university. So because of the intensity of the stroke and it making me not be able to walk again, I couldn't really talk that well. I couldn't use my arm. It was delayed for a year and there were some of the doctors saying it might be a bit early for you to go to a year after your stroke due to the intensity of it and me having to learn to walk again, talk again, all things like that. And I was determined I was going to go. Even when i just came around for my stroke, I still thought I was going and I had to be told, no, Ollie, you do know what's happened, don't you? I was like yeah, but I'm going to go anyway, and I'll be fine in a couple of weeks. as no, <laughs> you need to know the seriousness of this. So the following year, I made a very good recovery. I was at the point where I could be very independent. I could, you know, start doing a bit of cooking for myself. I could walk confidently, talk confidently. I could use use my right arm again. So I just went off, and my parents, they were a little bit, scared, as any parent would be, dropping their child off at university and combined with what happened to me, they thought, we can't stop him, he has to be able to do this, we have to let go eventually, and they said, look, if we drop him off and within a month or so it's too much for him, can come home and try and start again next year. And My parents were very good like that. They weren't going to wrap me up in cotton wool. They thought, no, we need to let him go off and live life. And that's, that's what I've done. I've gone off and lived life. I went in my first year at university. I joined the football society. I was playing football. And people were great there. They were very understanding, knew what had happened, and they were very accommodating to it. So all things like that. And going to university... Gave me a lot of confidence after my stroke that I needed, it made me know that I could live independently, I could could go off, hone skills, learn and do everything I could do in terms of academically, before my stroke. So that was a great experience for me, actually being able to go to university and do things on my own. Ollie didn't find that his stroke stopped him from finding a job. Like any graduate coming out of university, it's never easy. The first sort of four or five months, they were very difficult because like any graduate, there's thousands of you out there going for one job. So I don't think me finding it difficult out of university to find employment straight away was difficult due to my stroke. I think it was just difficult because everyone out there is finding it difficult. Something that was in my favour was that during my third year at university, I did a placement at different strokes, charity for younger stroke survivors, and they focused mainly on people under the age of 65. I went off there and I did marketing with them, trying sort of help boost their social media presence and how they are actually reaching out to younger people, not necessarily just younger stroke survivors, but young people in general, because it's important to spread the message about strokes and young people to everyone, not just focusing on helping those people that have had strokes. That is probably the most important thing and the vital thing that they do. But they need to have a platform to tell people. Younger people do have strokes, so it raises awareness around that particular topic and people know that it's just not people in their 70s and 80s that are having it. It's important people are aware of strokes in younger people so they're not making preconceptions about people because if you put someone was to say, oh, it's because I've had a stroke, people don't automatically just say, "Oh no, you can't have had a stroke because you're young. And then you have that thing of where you're having to say, well, no, people do have strokes when they're younger. It is a growing thing. So I think it is important that people are aware of this. Day to day, I don't really think about it, mainly because I'm too busy to sit there and think about my stroke. So I wake up in the morning, I go to work. After work, I'm either in the gym or out seeing people. So there's no real time for me to actually sit down and be bitter about it. And I have no reason to be bitter about my stroke. I could, on one hand, sit there and say, well, I can't run as fast or... I can't write as well as I used to and I can't do this as quickly and sometimes I get a little bit more tired than I would have if I didn't have the stroke. There are those little things but I don't tend to focus on those because there are so many other things that I'm grateful for and fortunate to have and be able to do that so many other people who've gone through what I've gone through aren't able to do. I'm still me, I'm still, I've grown as a person and it's taught me a lot about myself I've made myself, I'm a lot more self-aware and I know what I can achieve and I know to a degree where my limitations are, so I need to sometimes take a step back and think, right, you need to approach this a bit slower, you need to realise you might not be able to do this as well as you used to, but you need to learn coping mechanisms be able to tackle what you want to do. And finally,
0: Ollie believes a little bit of tough love goes a long way.
1: To a degree every stroke is different, so what I've been through and the person you care about and love is going through could be very different, but from my own personal experience I would say an element of tough love is needed there. So. If they are sitting around and moping and saying, woe is me, life's terrible, don't let them think like that. I had days like that when I was going through my recovery and I was getting upset and saying, I'm never going to be able to get better. Like everyone, you have your bad days. So I had days like that where I was thinking, I'm not going to get better. I can't do this. I can't do that. My parents would tell me, You sit around and think like that, that is going to happen. If you think you can do it and you believe you can do it, you'll get better. So having that element of tough love and them saying, no you can do it, stop thinking like that, is a great thing and it's great to have that support. When it's coming from a loved one, sometimes it's quite tough because You want someone to sit there and just say, oh, okay, you have a rest today. You don't have to do that if you don't want to, but my parents wanted me to get better, so they had my best intentions at heart. And although sometimes I was thinking, why aren't they listening to my problems? They had my best intentions at heart, so they were really trying to get me better. And you do have to listen to people because some days... They will be fatigued, but you need to say to them, look, just give it a bit of a go today. If it doesn't work, that's fine, but you need to just try it. You never know if you don't try. And I think to stroke drivers themselves, I would follow that same sort of degree in the fact that always give things a go. Even if you feel exhausted that day, Try and do something that will improve yourself that little bit. It doesn't have to be something massive. It can just be a small little thing that you try and it will really, really improve yourself in general. I always say with stroke or it's like running a marathon. You're not going to go out and run 27 miles straight away. You're going to go out and run a few miles and a few miles more just gradually build it up the whole way that's what a recovery is you're not going to get better straight away just focus on small steps at a time and just keep building it up day by day until you get get to where you need to be and make a full recovery i i myself haven't made a full recovery eight years down the line there's always small things that are improving in me every day you know i go to the gym try and Keep fit, keep healthy. I do yoga once a week, which is fantastic for my posture, my balance, all things like that. So I think just work hard, give it your
0: all, and you'll get there in the end. Ollie has lots of determination. He's never encountered a barrier that he didn't believe he could overcome and continues to achieve everything he aims for. If you'd like to learn more about stroke, search for The Stroke Association online and search NHS Stroke if you'd like a dedicated web page. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and rate and comment on the episodes that you hear because that will help us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.